The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Psalm 119, uh, verses 73 to 80. Dr. Paul Tripp writes, It's impossible to do justice to the wonder of the creation of the world and everything in it. You and I have to work hard to make anything. Even when you buy, I love this because I can attest to this, many of you can. Even when we buy a piece of furniture from Ikea, with all the pieces properly designed and a booklet of instructions, are you driven to the edge of your sanity, trying to follow the instructions and assemble what you bought. I don't know if you guys have ever put together something from Ikea, and they don't have like written directions, it's all pictures. You know, the hammer and the hand, you know, all that, and the, the pictures. And one of the things, I don't know about you, but I have like anxiety when I'm doing that because I'm always worried that they forgot one screw. Like at the end, this is all gonna be a mess because they forgot one screw. Because you guys know what you have to do? If, if you have to get that screw, so you have to bring it back which means you have to disassemble everything that you just did, pack it back. Anyway, it's just that's, that's where I have that anxiety is that one screw. So you know the insanity of trying to put all this stuff together. All of our DYI projects require mental focus, physical dexterity, and perseverance. Paul Tripp writes, we struggle to make things even though we always start with raw materials, are following instructions, and have collected the appropriate tools. But you and I have never created anything we do not make something out of nothing. I love this. Since C.S. Lewis said it this way, creation as it is for God must always remain totally inconceivable to man. We only build. We always have materials to build from. The truth of creation should fill us with awe, humble us and drop us to our knees. God, with nothing more than his will and his word, literally spoke the universe into existence. Think of huge galaxies and little ants. Think of the body of an elephant and the translucent creatures that swim in the deepest trenches of the sea. Think of huge towering trees and microscopic organisms. Think of the technology of the human eye and the intricate design of your hand. Genesis 1 and 2 are meant to put you in your place and insert God in his proper place in your heart and in your life. Proper place. See, and that's essentially the essence and foundation to what happens in the garden. Ever since the garden, we would receive what some in this world actually would call a gift. And that gift I call a distortion. We have a desire now to be independent from God. And that's, that's the thing when it comes to our world and our society. We all know that everybody believes. We all know that everybody understands. We all know that, we, that it's there, okay? We know that, that Romans 1 makes that very clear. But our culture is in this thing, and it has been for years, though, in, of, of human history, rejecting this idea of God. We thrive. Many of us in this world are motivated with this idea that there is no God. We want independence from God that we're even willing to lie to ourselves and make pretend that God does not exist. And even if there are those that actually do believe, like I've talked to uh, uh, one, one of these uh, guys that I engaged with on social media, I talked with him, he's an atheist, and he says that, you know what, Shane, you're right. I think that in reality, I cannot deny the existence of God. I can't do it. It's just too hard. Science and everything that I've seen, everything that I've undercovered, all this kind of stuff, I can't do it. And I said, oh, so you do believe that there is a God? He goes, yeah, I do. And I said, awesome. And I said, so are you ready to come to church? <laughs> he lives, you know, in Aurora. And I'm like, hey, hey, you should come to church. And he's just like, no, that's okay. I said, but you believe in God. I, just because I believe that God exists doesn't mean I think he's worthy of worship. Whoa. 
What an eye-opener, huh? All this time, we're doing everything we can to try to get people to believe in God, and when we succeed with that, they still won't worship him. God doesn't have that place. It's the place. We need ourselves put in our place, and God needs to be put in his place, or not put in his place, but acknowledged to the place that he already has. And that's the distortion. That's what we see. So a lot of times we live life believing that it's not God. But here, our psalmist is trying to remind us, look, when we're going through difficulties, we're going through trials, we're going through difficult times in life, and we're walking through life, remember, it was God who made us. Right? It was God who made us. Therefore, it's God who is able to fix us and to fix the issue. We need to be reminded of that. And a lot of times when it comes to, to, to being reminded of the things that God does, the mercy that he bestows, the grace that he gives, all these things that he does, it's always important for us to be reminded that it was God who put us here in the first place. And one of the things one of my mentors said is, you know, Shane, the amazing, there's a, this one amazing thing because it's so simple, so simple. Do you realize that all the problems that we have in life, all the problems that we have when it comes to Christianity, all the problems that we have to just being a Christian, all the problems we have to suffering and things that are happening in this world and the haves and the have-nots and keeping up with the Joneses and all the things that stresses us out and all the stuff in our culture. Do you realize all of those things go away like that if we just recognize what our true purpose here is on this earth. It's really bizarre when you think about it because it's so simple. Do we believe, do we really believe that God put us on this earth to glorify Christ? See, that's the issue. Because if we're here and our sole purpose is to glorify Christ, then nothing in this world matters unless Christ is glorified. So guess what? If I'm going through trials, if I'm going through suffering, if I'm going to live the rest of my life with no money, it doesn't matter as long as Christ is glorified. But that's not the way people think today. People don't think that way because they believe that we're here for a different reason, that we are to enjoy life and be happy, be content, to be, uh, not be content, but to, to, to fulfill all the pleasures in life and to live our best life now. And then when that's not happening, we're upset about it and we're ready to blame God for it. But do you notice that? I mean, just think about that. Think about that. All the issues that we've experienced in life, all the issues that we experience in life, if we just got to the place where the only purpose for me to be here on this earth is to glorify Christ. So whether I have or I don't have, whether I'm in pain or I'm not in pain, it doesn't matter what my circumstance is. The question is, is Christ glorified? And if he is, that's the only reason why I'm here. Huh. You guys see that? How simple it is? Yet we don't. Because deep down inside we believe that we are owed things. You know what, God? You created me. Yes, you did. So you are my creator. Therefore, you are bound and you have responsibilities to make my life as good as it can be. And if it doesn't happen, then it's your fault. Bad creator. Bad creator. Shame on you for making me suffer. Shame on you for not delivering me from all the affliction that I'm experiencing today. Shame on you for not stopping our government from raising interest rates and making me eat Vienna sausage instead of steak. Shame on you. Shame. That's how we feel. 
Because ultimately, our purpose is distorted. Because in the garden, since the garden, we by nature crave and desire independence from God. Right? Well, people are like, well, are you sure that that's really what we're by nature doing? It's funny. Because for, for a lot of people, it's only when we can't live life on our own and we can't do things in our own strength, that's the only time we actually pray and reach out to God. Hey, man, if life is good and I'm doing it and no matter what I do in my own strength and my own power, I'm able to get stuff done. I got enough money to do what I need to do and everything is good. What do I need God for? And then all of a sudden, money won't help. Friends won't help. My network won't help. People can't help me. Our government can't help me. I can't do anything. I have no other place. I got nothing else to rely on. You know what I better do? I should probably pray and ask God for help. It's interesting how that works. But foundationally, family, it comes to the the question, why do you think we're here? Why are we here? And the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, makes it pretty clear. The purpose of all creation and all of us here is to glorify Christ and to enjoy our Lord forever. Wow. That changes things. It should change things. So it's getting us to the place where we are recognizing who we are and who he is. But the problem is, is in our culture today, there's the constant rejection. Constant rejection of what we would call the scriptures. And they refer to the Bible as just simply a book that's full of myths and legends. It's just a fairy tale, Shane. It's just a fairy tale about some fictitious sky daddy that you're up there talking to. Where is he when we actually need him? He's never there when we actually need him. You know why? Because he's not there. And so these guys that call, and it's full on, it's on our TV, the influential, we call them the influential. These are the guys, that the smart guys that are making the decisions, that are up there being interviewed, all that stuff. They're on the TV channels all over the world. But here's the issue. It does not matter how smart you are. Without the Lord, there is never going to be clarity. Why is that? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. If you're rejecting Christ, I don't care how smart you are, you have closed your mind and you've hardened your heart. There's confusion. There's all this confusion. So we listen to these PhDs, these experts on TV as to what they say about the Bible and it causes our faith to be shaken. When the Bible is telling us pretty clear, hey, these guys don't know what they're talking about. They've closed their minds. They're trapped in darkness. Their minds are futile. Their minds are darkened. Their hearts are hardened. It all started with the Lord and our lives are going to be fruitful with the Lord and our fruitful lives are dependent on the grace of God, the power of the spirit and truth of the scriptures. As we've been going through Psalm 119, we've witnessed our psalmist displaying the true sufficiency, authority, perspicuity, inspiration and power of the scriptures, the foundation, the scriptures are when it comes to our lives as Christians. It's foundation. Foundational. Do we realize that it's foundational? Just curious. Do we recognize and realize how foundational the scriptures are? Get rid of the scriptures, and what are we left with? So isn't it funny that one of the main proponents that's trying to discredit the Bible is the evangelical church today? How is that possible? How is that possible? The psalmist is showing this. He's showing us the reality of this. And he shows us how we'll continue to find the benefits of the scriptures, especially during times 
of difficulty. He made us. He is near. Let's take a look. Psalm 119. Uh, let's just jump to 76 to 80. Now let your unfailing love comfort me just as you promised me your servant. Surround me with your tender mercies so I may live. For your instructions are my delight. Bring disgrace upon the arrogant people who lied about me. Meanwhile, I will concentrate on your commandments. Let me be united with all who fear you, with those who know your laws. May I be blameless in keeping your decrees. Then I will never be ashamed. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, we pray that your word will continue to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, that we will continue to be transformed by the goodness of your special revelation that you continue to give us and confirm for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we're going to look at today is the wonderful meaning of God's mercy being our comfort. Interesting. Second, we will understand what it is meant by tender mercies. And finally, we'll look at the salvation that comes from the great mercy of the living God. So our thesis statement today is this, though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to lose hope and sight of the beautiful special revelation of God, that would be the Bible, special revelation of God, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the scriptures that will cause us to see that hope is and always will be in Christ and in Christ alone. So, Mercy be for my comfort. Some of your translations may actually say that in verse 76. Mercy be for my comfort. It's what we need during time of difficulty. So this is the context of what we're hearing from the psalmist, right? Because he's speaking to us and he's writing this during time of difficulty. And what he says is full of astonishing things for us to be grasped today for us to get today. He does not ask for the rod of discipline to be removed. Whoa. Interesting here, right? If you look at the passage before, he just said, look, I rejoice in your affliction and mean being affliction because I needed it. That's what I'm wondering today. Do you think that we need discipline from the Lord today? Oh, thank you. It wasn't just me. Man, we are in so desperate need of it. So they're saying like, hey, Shane, you know, yes, I believe that there's, uh, there's so much that needs to happen. We need to be disciplined today. The church needs to be disciplined. We need to wake up and God needs to discipline us. But what I don't understand is why is God allowing all these bad things to happen? What I don't understand is why is there affliction? Why is there all these things? And so my question is, well, how else is he going to do it? Seriously. <laughs> Take joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that we can be mature, complete, and not lacking in anything. Do you want to be mature, complete, and not lacking in anything? That's me. But I don't understand why I have to suffer. <laughs> times of difficulty it's astonishing he doesn't ask the rod of discipline to be removed he's asking for mercy the mercy of God to be his comfort while he's under it now come on that's not the prayer you hear from the average Christian today they're not asking for God to give them mercy as they lay under the rod of discipline. We're asking the Lord to get rid of the rod. Take this away, Lord. Make it go away. Find comfort from God's mercy is what he asked for. Comforted while we are afflicted. Righteousness and faithfulness provide us no consolation, if we can enjoy mercy and blessed be God, we can expect this for this is promised us in his word. So 
We need to live under the mercy and experience the mercy of God. But we know this, how? We know that God is merciful. We know that God will have mercy upon us in our time of difficulty. We know that God is abounding in mercy. How do we know this? Because of dreams we might have had? Because of stuff that we figured out after eating too much turkey on Thursday? We get this from his word. We get this from the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4.16, Hebrews 4.16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 23. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Each morning. You know, his mercies are afresh each morning. You know what that means? His mercies are new every day. That means the mercy that you received yesterday is not the same as the mercy that you receive today. And it's not going to be the same mercy you receive tomorrow. It's not the same mercy you're going to receive next year. It's continued to give mercy every single day. The mercy that he gives is a daily thing. So just add it up. How many different mercies have you guys experienced since you've been alive? We live on mercy. We need mercy. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. He saves us, not because of, of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the, Lord, uh, through the Holy Spirit. Psalm chapter 23, verse 6. Psalm 23, 6. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Luke chapter 1, verse 78, Luke's 178, because of the Lord's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. One commentator, he wrote this, therefore let us pray for these to the Lord whom we have grieved by our sin and let us plead the word of his grace as our sole reason for expecting his favor. That's what I love about this. He's saying that this is the sole reason. The reason why we can expect the favor of God in our life is because the Bible tells us. See, this is why, like, sometimes, you know, in, in the movies, we watch the movies and I get kind of rattled, right? Like, the, the only one I can think of, you know, hey, Stacy, apologize to Emily for this, but I got to pull out the Lord of the Rings here. That there was a moment in there where he was just like, you know, I just, we got to have faith, and then, and then Frodo said to Sam, in faith in what? That there's something good in this world and we're just holding out hope that something good is going to happen. And, and so I get, I get that. I see what they're trying to say. But in reality, is that like one of the dumbest things to say? <laughs> because why do you believe that there's something good in this world? Uh, just because? Seriously, today we talk to people and people talk about hope. I have hope. I, have, I just got a hope, Shane. What are you hoping in? I'm just hoping that things are going to turn out right. Why would you do that? Just because? You do know that the Avengers are fictional characters. Superman is not coming. Krypton did not explode. He's still there. What are we hoping in? What are we putting our hope in? Are we hoping that our government is going to figure it out and save us all? Do we think that the governments in the world are going to get together, figure it out, and save us all? What are we hoping in? Where are we putting our hope? This is what our psalmist is making very clear. We are putting our hope in God. I am praying for God to cover me with mercy. I find comfort in knowing that I will receive mercy from the Lord 
because the Bible tells me so. Shane, do you hope? Absolutely, I hope. Well, what do you hope in? I I hope in the truth that he who began a good work in me will be faithful and just to bring it to completion at the day of the Lord. That's my hope. Well, why do you hope in that? Because the Bible says it. Well, why do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? Thank you for asking. I can do it in 30 seconds or I can do it in three hours, man. The Bible is amazing. It is what our psalmist is throwing himself upon. See, the problem is, family, in modern evangelicalism today, because of our lack of understanding when it comes to the scriptures, our biblical illiteracy, family, I cannot tell you just how frustrating it is to continue to see the statistics and studies that are done every single year. It's actually a phenomena of how biblically illiterate Christians are today. They don't know the Bible. We don't know the Bible. The one thing that we say is foundational to our faith, we don't know it. We don't know it. There's a girl that I knew who grew up going to, going to Sunday school and, and, and going to the Bible stuff and going to all the things, grew up small groups, went to church on Sundays, all that kind of stuff. And I said, I said um, we were talking about Solomon one day and I said, hey, that's amazing, you know, considering that, you know, uh, Solomon's, Solomon's dad, you know, kind of did that same thing. And she goes, oh, we know who Solomon's dad is? You don't know who Solomon's dad is? She's like, no. Christian evangelical conferences They would go to evangelical conferences and talk to Christians who are at evangelical conferences and they were shocked, right? Uh, When they asked the question, you know, who was the the guy that got swallowed by the big fish? They were, were, you know, happy that, you know, 75% of them, you know, said Jonah, right? But what they were shocked is, is 30% of them actually said Pinocchio. I'm like, are you, wow, this is absolutely insane. Now, I know it's a low percent of people, but oh, 30%, Shane, why are you been out of shape? It's three Christians out of 10 think that it was Pinocchio. And we act as if the culture doesn't affect us Come on. So, in modern evangelicalism, what we pray for is not enduring our suffering. We pray for ejection. We pray that God will inject us and pop us out of the situation. Get us out of our suffering. Get us out of the circumstances. Get us out of these things. So we look for reason to disconnect and reconnect someplace else. We look for reason to quit and start over. We look for ways, things, resources to make the pain go away. We need to explain the pain. We can't just live under it and pray not for rejection, but pray that the mercy of God will be my comfort. Can we do that? Pray for the mercy of God to be our comfort no matter what it is that we're going through. A lot of us are going through a lot of problems, a lot of circumstances, a lot of things happening in our lives. What are we praying for? We're praying for God to eject us out of the situation. We're praying for God to take away all the problems, to make all of our problems disappear. Or are we praying to God, Lord, let your mercy be my comfort. A man found a cocoon of an emperor moth. And he took it home so he could watch the moth become the cocoon, or come from the cocoon. One day, a small opening appeared. The man sat and watched the moth for several hours as it struggled to force its body through the little hole. Then it seemed to stop making any progress. To the man, it appeared as if the moth had gotten as far as it could in breaking out of the cocoon, and he thought that the moth was stuck. So out of kindness, the man decided that he was going to help the moth. 
He took a pair of scissors and he snipped off the remaining bit of the cocoon so that the moth could get out. Soon the moth emerged, but it had swollen, he had a swollen body and small shriveled wings. The man continued to watch the moth, expecting that in time the wings would enlarge and expand and be able to support the body, which would simultaneously contract to its proper size. Neither of it happened. In fact, that little moth spent the rest of its life crawling around with a swollen body and shriveled wings. It was never able to fly. The man in his kindness and his haste didn't understand that the restricting cocoon and the struggle was required for the moth to get through that tiny opening. This was God's way of forcing the fluid from the body into the wings so that the moth would be ready for flight once it achieved the freedom from the cocoon. He set the moth free because it was struggling. But it was that very struggle that the moth needed to go through in order for it to be what it needed to be. Family, you are a Christian. You profess the name of Christ. You are called to a purpose so much greater. And God has given us the Holy Spirit to be there to give us the power and the strength and the wisdom to be able to do what it is that he's called us to do. Someone asked uh, C.S. Lewis, why does God allow Christians to suffer? And C.S. Lewis's response was, why not? We're the only ones that can do it. Shane, I can't do this. Shane, you don't understand. I can't get through this. There is no can't when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit reside with you? This is why God asks us to do the impossible. Shane, God is asking us to do the impossible. No, this is why he does it. Because you, as his child, filled with the Spirit, are able to do so much more. But part of that is enduring suffering, enduring tribulation, enduring trials. I said it once and I'll say it again. We are being trained here on earth. You know one day we're going to rule over the angels? Right? The Bible makes it very clear. We are going to rule over the angels. How would you like to be an angel that's going to have as its ruler some fool that can't make it through any problems. I, I say this as a joke, but I'm really serious about this. You don't want the angels to be up there going, who do we got for the next millennial? Oh, we got Scott Sowers. Oh, man. All that dude was complaining the whole time he was on earth and never would do anything. He didn't even read his Bible, didn't pray, didn't do all this kind of stuff. And that fool is going to rule over us for the next thousand years? I don't think so. So I say it, for the sake of the angels, endure suffering. Be trained in godliness for their sake, if not for yours. Just as the moth could only achieve freedom and flight as a result of struggling, we often need to struggle to become all that God intends for us to be. Well, Shane, God could just snap his finger and we can be that person. Sure, absolutely. But we have never displayed it and never proven it. And that is our God and our God, that's his way. He doesn't want us to just have the potential. He wants us to reveal the potential in our lives. It's all talk if you don't walk. God intends for us to be something more. There is no easy way. Christianity is not you take a pill and you become all that you need to be. Christianity, I tell people, it's like playing a guitar. Trust me, if you've never played a guitar before, you, don't, you can't just pick up that guitar. Candace is going through the same thing right now. You can't just pick it up and start playing. Even if you know, I know all the scales on the guitar, Shane. Yeah, well, that's good. I know every chord on the guitar, Shane. Yeah, that's really good. So I should be able to play. No, you can't. 
Why not? Because you are not going to make it past even a quarter of the song because your hand is not strong enough to hold those strings down. It takes time. I used to count those days down, man, of playing the guitar and be like, all right, man, today was victorious. I made it through 25% of a song. And then I'm playing, and a month later, I made it through half of a song. Oh, my hand, oh, oh. It takes a lot to push those strings down. And not only that, it hurts your fingers a lot. So over some time, you start to develop calluses on the finger so that you can hold those strings down without feeling like it's going to cut right through your finger. Is there a pill you can take? No. The only way you're going to be able to do it is you got to do it. You got to suffer through it. I watch my son suffer through it. I'm watching Candace suffer through it. And yes, do I hear them complain? Yes. And in my, and in my, my, I love them so much. I wish there was some kind of dust I could sprinkle upon them so that they could get the calluses and the strength and all of that kind of stuff. But it's just not there. Only thing I can do is encourage them. We got to go through it. We want to be gold. You want to be gold? Then you got to go through the fire. You got to go through the fire. But God's tender mercy, it's more beautiful than a rescue. Do you believe that? Like, we, we, always, we always want the ejection, but did you know that God's tender mercies are more beautiful than a rescue? So stressed out was our psalmist that he understood that if he did not receive the mercy of God, he would not be able to live. Without God's mercy, family, we don't live. We don't survive. We don't make it to the next day. It's the life-giving power of the one who created us and the one that will bring us through any affliction. Because here it is. If mercy is what we need, then our God is overflowing with it. Psalm chapter 103, verse 8. Psalm 103, 8. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. And this is what we need to receive if we're going to live. Now, we look to other things in this world to rescue us from struggle. So here's the thing. We want to be rescued. We want to be rescued out of our suffering. And in reality, Gino, in a lot of ways... The world can do that. Seriously. Seriously, the world could do it. The world can help us out a lot. We can find rescue from the things of the world. If we are struggling and we're suffering with finances, somebody in the world can give you money. Problem solved. If we are struggling with relational issues, it can seem like someone who meets that need and someone who comes and meets that need, it will feel like a rescue. If we're suffering and struggling with identity issues, that one could come, give us an identity, and that would be a rescue. Do you know that chemicals in this world, can feel like a rescue? I don't feel pain anymore. A distraction can be a rescue from boredom. Shopping can be a rescue from our past. Social media can rescue us from feeling alone. You see that? That's the issue. When our goal is to be ejected from our circumstances, well, sometimes the world can do that. The world could pull you out of the circumstances. Because if that's ultimately our goal, that's the reason why we look to the world. Because the world can bring relief. So many things in this world can rescue us from our affliction. And this is why our hope rests in the things of the world. Because in reality, it doesn't rescue us. It only relieves us. But we're distracted into thinking that it was the world that rescued us. And, but it, all it did was give us relief. And sure, we can say that it rescued us. Sure, we can say it saved us. But it saved us from living. It saved us from growing. It saved us from life and life more abundant. It saved us from getting all that the Lord has for us. Yeah, we did not struggle. 
but now like the moth, we can't fly. In essence, I like to say this, if the world goes up in smoke, when the dust settles, it's the Christians that are still standing. But how can that be the case if we can't even get through one moment of circumstance? It's like we're walking through a life and a problem happens and it's like, oh God, why am I even doing this? I don't even know why I'm a Christian. I can't take this anymore. I just needed a parking spot that was closer. And this is the best you can do for me. Not acknowledging the fact that those extra steps that you take will probably keep you from having a heart attack. So many things in the world. But it's the one who has struggled with a great suffering and has experienced the tender mercies of God that has truly experienced the life of God and something truly out of this world. So family, we experience and witness the wonderful display of the grace and mercy of God in the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And here we have the wonderful out-of-this-world truth from the delightful word of God. His mercy gives us life and life more abundant. Life and life more abundant. I mean, just think about all the times you guys have suffered and God has brought you through the amazing feeling and the amazing wisdom that you got from it. It's priceless, family. It's priceless. All that you've overcome, it's priceless. What you've experienced from the Lord, it's priceless. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what you're going through, you always believe that in the end, you are going to land on your feet because the Lord will make sure that you do. And how many of us can say amen to that. That all the things that you've gone through, that you could say, it was the Lord that pulled me through. It was God who pulled me through. It was God who got me to this place. It was God who got me there. We, we have his experience. We, we have his mercy. We experience his mercy. Therefore, it gives us life and life more abundant. And because of his mercy, we're born again. Because of his mercy, we have life with great expectation. Because of his mercy, a priceless inheritance that cannot be destroyed. Nothing in this world can bring such a wonderful thing. We can find comfort in the mercy of God from the word of the living God. But here's the thing. All of that stuff, yeah, Shane, that sounds great. But here's the thing. Even if it wasn't there, it doesn't change the fact that the purpose for us to be here in the world was to glorify Christ in the first place. So even if we didn't get all that, as long as Christ is glorified, we're accomplishing the purpose that we were put here for. And Christ is so, so glorified when we accomplish, when we go through our circumstances, when we go through our situation. How many of you guys had those moments where you were going through difficult time and you had family members and friends go, why are you going through all of this? Just give up. And then you tell them why you don't give up. Really? God is getting you through this? Why doesn't God rescue you from this? Because this is not anything more than trials and tribulations. And when this is all over, I'm going to be better for it. I'm going to be a changed man. I'm going to be different.
trials, tribulations, circumstances. It gets us to that place, family. We got to embrace these struggles. We got to embrace this thing because these are the things that brings more clarity to us where we become even more sober. There was one time, I'm going to share this with you as we close. There was one time, one of the worst moments, I would say, of my life, <laughs> but one of the best things that ever happened is I'm struggling and I'm having all kinds of situations happen. And I have to deal with this every single week, but this is the thing that hit me really hard one day. I'm reading... I'm reading the story and I'm, I'm doing it right now. That's why I'm remembering. I'm reading the story about Moses. And I'm, and I'm going through this and I'm looking at all that Moses went through. Look at all that Moses have, has gone through and all the suffering and all of that type of stuff. And I just said, well, you know, but that's, that's what happens to ministers. This is what happens, you know. So when I'm standing up for the truth, I'm, I'm standing for truth. I am dealing with suffering. And I'm going to stand for truth. And I know the suffering I'm going to get from it, but I'm going to do it. And then I, I want to do things the right way. And we want to lead church in the right way. And I know that people are not going to like it, so I'm probably not going to have the mega church that I was hoping I was going to have. And I want this and I want this. And I'm making all of these sacrifices. Now follow me here. This is really important. Making all of these sacrifices and experiencing all of this opposition and one day, I was just kind of like, you know what, God, I, I've done all this. I've spent all these years. I've struggled. I stood for your truth. I was ridiculed. People put me down. People did this. People did that. You know, I, I've been struggling with the church. I'm just asking you to do one small little thing. Can you do this one thing for me after everything that I have done and everything that I have sacrificed and everything that I did? Don't you think that I, I feel like I deserve that just this one thing? And man, as, as, I'm, as I'm studying and going through the law, because I'm going through Moses at the time, going through the law, something dawned on me. Something hit me. And I asked myself the question, Shane, are you really trying to be right? Or are you trying to be special? Oh. My, the bottom fell out, my guts just started, and I started crying profusely. I feel like crying right now. Crying profusely. Because it's, in reality, that's how much we deceive ourselves in getting into the place where we're not truthful with ourselves. And God could have let me go through the rest of my life trying to be special instead of being obedient and that truth never coming into my life because he didn't allow me to go through the tribulations and circumstances that I was going through at that time and never realize and recognize the truth of what it is that I was trying to do. God wouldn't let me deceive myself into living my life that way. He had mercy on me. Just like he's having mercy on you as you're going through trials, as you're going through difficulty, as you're going through difficult times. He's waking us up and opening our eyes to recognize and realize what's true, what's important, and where we have deceived ourselves. This is why our psalmist said, thank you for your discipline. Thank you for your affliction. I needed it. That's how wonderful our Lord is. He's going to open up our eyes to show us, to help us to see, help us to realize. And family, ever since that day, I was better for it. Because I found that now when it comes to ministry, I don't complain as much as I used to. And yes, yes, I don't need the accolades. I don't need the successes. I don't need... The, the being able to compare my life to Moses and the prophets and all of that kind of stuff. You know why? Because I am special already. Do you know why? Because I'm covered with the blood of Jesus. I am special 
because I am a co-heir with Christ. I am special because what Christ has done. And because of what Christ has done, amen. What Christ has done, I am now a child of God. And because of what Christ has done, I am special. Do you know why? I get to look up at the living God, the heavenly Father, creator of the universe, and I can call him my daddy. That's my daddy. That's your daddy. He's our daddy. That's the mercy of God. That's what he does. And daddies are there to help us, discipline us when we need it, so that we can be better for it, because he does want what's best for us. And in his mercy, he gave us the wonderful gift. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds we are healed. God showed us his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God did not send his son into the world world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. For God loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on all of us richly through Jesus Christ, our savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Man, his mercy knew every morning. Great, great is his faithfulness. Family, our psalmist delighted in the word of God. He said it's worth more than millions in gold and silver. Millions of gold and silver will never bring us the kind of hope that we can only, that we can only get from the promise of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but family, the word of God will remain forever. This is why the Bible is worth so much more. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.